Now we're recording. Now we're recording. All right. Check okay. this. Heidi Ho, welcome to the show. This podcast is called So the Story Goes. Thank you because I couldn't remember. <laughs> I'm so. There's our opening. <laughs> I'm so burnt out right now. There's our opening. Quirky, um, too. The other two intros sucked. This one did also, but um, it was on the fly. I don't even remember the other two shows, to be honest with you. I don't remember the shows we did record that we're redoing right now. That's good. I'm glad you don't. While I pull up my script, I guess we can pull the curtain back a little bit and say that (laughs) these next two episodes have already been recorded once. First off. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um... The curtain doesn't exist anymore. We burned down the theater. It's, it's, we couldn't even claim insurance fraud. Like it's just, it's just bad. Secondly, it's all right because I have the memory of a peanut. A peanut. We we recorded these already. This is our second time recording these two episodes because the audio did not. If you think the audio in the first two episodes was bad, we went straight demonic. For the, the second two episodes, and I was like, I can't even pretend that this is okay to, like, air? How is the levels on everything else? The levels are fine. Let's just, let's just reintroduce, just in case. We don't have to do it the way I did it, and you can choose which one to use. Oh, no, I'm keeping it. It's fine. Uh, we don't need to do that. We don't need to reintroduce. <laughs> What's this episode about, Randall? I hate this. <laughs> I think it was mine, actually. (laughs) That fourth episode is lost to time because as we went over the articles, I clicked off of them. So I don't even know what we talked about. So it's going to be the fourth episode is all new. Anyway, you and Allie are enjoying a little alone time in the woods camping on a mid-December night. Chilly, but not overbearingly cold. False. Not now. Bear with me. You two were lying on the grass, staring at the store- stores. <laughs> Look at all the pretty stores. <laughs> As it happens, that you're actually camping in the Walmart parking lot. Why are we camping in the Walmart parking lot? Because you're staring at the stores. The stores. <laughs> yeah. You see something in the sky moving faster than a plane and closer than a star. Superman. Wait, you didn't even say it right. It's airplane. Come on, guy. And you're a professional? continue your story I'm sorry you can, watch it while you can can I inject now <laughs> my eyes are hurt I'm gonna let you finish so this thing in the sky <laughs> oh yeah totally taking out the ambiance of the story <laughs> you watch it with the first one went smoother you watch it while you can but soon it flies off beyond the horizon and you forget about it oh okay I feel like hold on break we have to explain why it took us so long to put out these episodes, too. Because one of us, after the initial recording, came down with COVID. That is true. It put like a two-week halt on things. So, it happens. Tyler's good now, though. 
If it helps, I don't know what the schedule is for our episodes. How many are we doing a month? I'm looking at four a month. Word. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Anyway, I'm done breaking up the podcast now. That's... What? Is your story done? About you getting COVID? Yeah. No, about about this thing in the sky. And somehow I didn't get COVID, which is crazy to me because we're literally sitting three feet apart right now. You know what's crazy to me? Allie and our little boy got COVID whenever it's like, you know, fresh off the... Damn it. (laughs) It's so hard not to curse. They got COVID early on. We did not try to quarantine. Did you almost say fresh off the boat? Because that's racist. No, I wasn't going to say off the boat. <laughs> First off, I can get away with saying off the boat, I feel. My peoples came off the boat. Just kidding. My grandma came here willingly and easily with my grandpa. Anyway. Did she get off the boat? You know what? They might have. She didn't walk here. They might have. No, they got COVID early on. We didn't try to quarantine at all. I didn't catch it. This time around, I caught it somehow. Didn't try to quarantine. They didn't catch it either. COVID's weird. Do you know where you got it from? No. I have no idea. Okay. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that guy. I'm calling it a faulty test. Because you have no idea where you got it from. (laughs) Yeah. I will say, if we can... You know, we try to stay even here. Go get vaccinated. Please I was sick for like a couple hours was the worst part. And then it stopped. It didn't went yeah. away. Got a free week off, basically. You know what's <laughs> messed up? What? The day before. So we recorded on Saturday. No, Sunday. Yeah, because the next Sunday I put out the first episode. We recorded on Sunday. Monday you texted me. Hey, I woke up with a fever. Saturday, I got my booster shot. <laughs> Nice. So I was like, I hope that's enough time. <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. But at the same time, I had lunch with one of the guys at work. I don't know, a foot away, because it's like right here, you know, we're sitting across the table from each other. Then the next day, he's like, hey, I woke up with a fever. I just thought you should know. And I didn't get it from him either. So I don't know. I'm like super. Maybe you're just carrying it around. Maybe. <laughs> this camp story. The camping story. Anyway, I would never go camping in whatever scenario you stood up. The Walmart parking lot. I've watched enough horror movies. Not going to happen. I did a little bit of camping in the Walmart parking lot. Predominantly right after eating IHOP at like... When? Anyway, you forget about the incident and a few days go by. One evening, you and... I forgot Allie's name. You and Allie. (laughs) Did she listen to this? You and Allie are sitting down to eat dinner. There's a knock on your front door, and you open the door. You're greeted by an average-looking man in a fedora, a dark suit, that says, Mr. King, may I come in? You can tell by his voice that he isn't asking. With the fedora, I thought he was going to be like, hmm, my lady. Okay, a real fedora, not a, not a trilby. Huh. An Indiana Jones fedora. Oh, a oh, real man's fedora. A real fedora. You know, a 50s fedora. Why are you playing with my junk? That's... <laughs> trying to see what comes out, you know? Why are you playing with my various sundry items that I have on my table? That's a convoluted way of saying that. Anyway, he knocks on my door. Ah. You've just huh? been visited by the men in black. Okay. I don't know if we get shut down for that. But. Probably not. Well, he himself ripped off. Well, he so. did. He did, in I fact. Yeah. I do miss the times when Will Smith would do a rap for his songs because 
if I think about his modern movies, I'd really like to see what he comes up with. Name a modern Will Smith movie. A Gemini Man or whatever? No idea what that is. Uh, and they had a Bad Boy sequel. Oh, they did have a uh, Bad Boy sequel. Quote, unquote, modern. This is a few years back, but still, after that whole section of his life, I Am Legend. Can you imagine a rap during the credits for that movie? That would be... <laughs> something also i want to bring up something this is all this is all connected men in black will smith he passed up the opportunity to do the matrix <laughs> okay yeah he passed up the matrix with what that movie is and the soundtrack to that movie which is very like industrial metal mm. shoegazy rock is that like yeah. deft tones and whatnot on it can you imagine if he took the movie <laughs> this is around the time where he did raps <laughs> in the credits what would his song be would it be a will smith map We'd be like, woo! Blue <laughs> red pill, y'all. Uh huh. Um. <laughs> woo! So the okay, men in black. <laughs> so if you're still listening to this, we appreciate you. We really do. We make a tangent podcast. That's what we're gonna I do. I had one. It's called Random Tangents. It went all of like 12 episodes because we kept telling the same stories over and over again. Oh, nice. <laughs> so the story goes. It all started way back in 1947. It traces back to a guy, his son, and their dog on a boat. I was listening to podcasts about this today, as a matter of fact. Harold Dahl was a harbor patrolman on the Puget Sound near the eastern shore of Washington's Moray Island. Now, as far as I could tell, stop playing with my screws. I don't even know what those are for. This dude's last name sounds like the way Lola Bunny says Dahl. It also coincidentally is my fake last name on Facebook. (laughs) It is. It's also, your thing is a reference to Borderlands, yeah. yeah. Also, I want to point out that Moray, every time I've heard it referred to, it's been Moray Island, but it's spelled like Mori, Mari, Mori. Like the, 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 you're not the father guy. Hmm. I just, anyway, for another time. I'm having that thing, a, uh, a headache with pictures, what's that called? <laughs> an idea? Yeah, an idea. It's a Futurama reference. That's a good one. Get that in. All the nerds to cream themselves so they like us. I don't think we can say cream themselves. We can say cream themselves. <laughs> also, I just insulted so many people. Futurama is a good show. It is a good show. I am that that picture of like the weeb calling weebs weebs. All right, I'm gonna make fun of nerds if I want to, but I am in fact <laughs> the nerd. Okay, so Harold. Harold Dahl. This is going. No, man, this dude just on this island. Wait, this is the dude with the kid and the dog on an island? Yeah. This is painting a horrible picture. It's his it's, it's kid. That makes it worse? Oh, I'm yeah. going into a bad place. <laughs> Harold Dahl was in the Puget Sound, Moray Island. He saw six metallic, 100 feet wide, donut-shaped obstacles <laughs> hovering about a half a mile over his boat. Now, I'm sure obstacles is supposed to be objects, but they are also obstacles. Technically, they are obstacles. Okay. Now, it's notably hard to judge distances in the sky, but that's beside the point. Before long, one of the obstacles fell nearly 1,500 feet. At this point, a round porthole opened and started dumping white metallic debris into the bay. We're stretching this episode way too much, but I can't yeah. hear porthole and dumping white substance in the same sentence. That's just you. My <laughs> mind didn't even go there. We're on 20 minutes. I'm in the first paragraph. Some of which 
hit Dahl's son Charles on his arm, burning him. <laughs> Another piece hit the family dog who didn't survive the ordeal. Oh. Dahl was able to take some pictures of the aircraft with his camera, which he later showed to his supervisor, Fred Christman. Oh man, my dog died. Let's take some pictures. <laughs> Let's take some pictures. I uh, yes. As is life nowadays, that is how it goes. A skeptic, Chrisman went back to the scene to look for himself and supposedly saw a strange aircraft with his own eyes. The photo that Dahl took did show something in the sky, but seemed to be damaged. The same kind of damage as film exposed to high levels of radiation. Or maybe it was just overexposed. Who knows? Did we even introduce ourselves at the beginning of this podcast? I don't think we did. I don't think we did. This podcast is called So the Story Goes. I'm Tyler. No, we did that's, that. That's Randall. I'm uh, Randall. That's Tyler. The charm of this podcast is not the information you will learn, but the fact that we will spend hours talking about random things. The following morning, Dahl was visited by a man in a black suit. He offered to buy Dahl breakfast, and they ended up at a local diner where the man... Did not ask Dahl any questions, but was able to recount in extraordinary detail what Dahl had experienced. The man told Dahl, what I have said is proof to you that I know a great deal more about this experience of yours than you will ever want to believe. Dahl was told not to speak to the incident. If he did, bad things would happen. Seems to be a problem. Anyway. So the guy said, hey, for all intents and purposes... The man in black. The hey, I'm telling you what happened to you. Don't talk to anybody or bad things will happen. Just so we're clear. Dahl decided to contact Ray Palmer, a publisher in Chicago. Isn't that the name of the Adam? Oh my God. Oh my God, is it? Like his actual name. Not even like a variant or close. Ray Palmer. Is the Adam. We didn't catch that the first time. Ray Palmer is the Adam. Okay. Dahl and Chrisman sent him an evidence packet with photos, the metal debris, and a statement of the happenings of the previous days. Considering the safety of his son was threatened, it's worth noting that Dahl turned to the press relatively quickly. Well, this is the same guy whose dog died and was like, eh, I'm going to take, take photos. <laughs> Palmer received the package and contacted Kenneth Arnold, a UFO researcher based in Tacoma, Washington. Palmer asked Arnold to investigate Dahl's claims. By the time Arnold arrived to investigate Dahl's claims, Dahl said his son had recently gone missing, but didn't seem very concerned about it. Later that summer, Dahl's son was found waiting tables in Montana, supposedly with no memory of how he got there. Kenneth Arnold actually had a UFO encounter of his own. He was flying over Mount Rainier, and he saw like six or eight UFOs. And what got his attention was that he noticed that they didn't have tails on them, so they couldn't have been actual, like, you know, conventional aircraft. Mm-hmm. And I think he might have been in the Air Force at some point. So, like, he knew planes. He would know, yeah. But he later said that one of the photos that... Dahl sent him was almost spot on to what he saw while he was flying. Oh my. And I think it happened like within two days of each other or something. That's insane. So, on July 31st, 1947, 
Harold Dahl was paid a visit by Captain Lee Davidson and First Lieutenant Frank Brown. Both of these men were pilots and information specialists in the U.S. Army. They said that there might be some truth to the story. They had a meeting with the two men for several hours and even took some of the metal fragments on their aircraft. Not some of, they took all of the metal fragments. 22 minutes after takeoff, their aircraft crashed into the sea outside of Centralia, Washington. Two of the four men on board survived, but Davidson and Brown died. Witnesses to the crash said they heard anti-aircraft fire right before the plane went down. It's important to note that this was in 1947, right after World War II. It's not unheard of to assume that some of the civilians would have served in the war effort and recognized the sound of anti-aircraft guns. Oof. This may make me seem like an idiot. Why is it called anti-aircraft? Anything getting shot towards uh, something in the air is technically anti-aircraft. I'm just saying. You don't have to be specific about it, you fucking a-holes. I think they might be specifically... I know there's like, oh, like certain kind of guns that would help bring down an aircraft, I'm sure. But like still, technically... Okay, yes. Technically, if I threw a rock... It's an (laughs) anti-aircraft I mean, I'm just saying. But anyway. The Air Force maintains that it was a terrible accident, but the FBI later concluded that Dahl and Chrisman had perpetrated a hoax. Almost had penetrated a hoax. (laughs) There were no piles of metal on Moray Island. He at one point said, uh, Dahl at one point said that this UFO dumped upwards of i think 22 tons of metal into the lake and i'm like dog that's a lot of metal the lake it would have displaced all of the water yeah also why why did it dump it yeah i guess i can't ask the question of why an alien was yeah that's a great mystery isn't it tyler yeah there were no piles of metal on Moray Island, and the metal that was given to them was nothing more than metal slag from a metal smelter. This is the first instance of the mysterious men in black suits to enter the public record, but it wouldn't be the last. The supposed events of Moray Island have continued to fuel conspiracy theories to this day, even though a U.S. government investigation deemed it a hoax after Dahl and Chrisman later admitted as such. In particular... The mention of the man in the black suit would evolve into a key obsession for UFO enthusiasts and spread into American pop culture. From there, we're going fast forward to 1952. Albert K. Bender was the founder of the International Flying Saucer Bureau. It was kind of a precursor... Silly name. It's a ridiculous name, actually. It really is a ridiculous name. It was name. kind of a precursor to MUFON. I know what MUFON but is. way ahead of its time. MUFON is the mutual UFO network. Stupid. You hate acronyms, but when I pitched this podcast, you were like, oh yeah, we could call it STSG or whatever the acronym it makes, for the show it is. It doesn't sound stupid, you know? Move on. You imagine telling that to someone and they're like, yeah, we're going to take you serious. It's aliens? Oh, even better. Buddy. Well, they also don't get paid. I think it's a volunteer network. So, tell our day jobs. Makes it better. It doesn't. No. Okay. They're probably bad at their day jobs, too. The I. No one is safe on this episode. (laughs) The IFSB published a magazine called Space Review. I'm not sure why that made me lose it. I just thought of, like, reviewing space. It's a little bumpy. (laughs) It's it's dark. There's so much in it, but also nothing at all. (laughs) 
kind of sucks. It's like the Fallout 76 map. Uh, <laughs> it's super big. Nothing's there. Although it was initially a success, Bender abruptly shut the viewer down in 1953 with little to no warning. Bender later stated that in March of 1953, he had been approached by several men in black. Bender said these men visited him in his house and communicated with him telepathically. If telepathy <laughs> does really exist, or if it was if it was more accepted that it existed, whatever, mm-hmm. you sue people? Isn't like an invasion of privacy? What women want? Yes. That makes me super uncomfortable. It doesn't help that Mel Gibson is the one that's in it. Oh my God, I forgot it's Mel Gibson. <laughs> Makes it worse. He stated that he received a metal disc from them and instructions. These men apparently shared insight into the nature of UFOs. The men told Bender to stop his investigation on UFOs and destroy any evidence that he possessed. Afterwards, he became ill and didn't eat for three days. Bender suffered frequent headaches after the three men visited him and his co-workers reported that he seemed scared. Yeah, all that could be just paranoia. Yeah. Eating and scared and stuff, just saying. Uh-huh. Am I being the, <laughs> the like doubter here? In 1963, a decade after the strange men showed up on his doorstep, Bender published a book. In it, he asserts that the men in black might have actually been extraterrestrial visitors with an interest in keeping their existence under wraps. He speculated that the IFBS was getting close to proving the existence of extraterrestrials, so they felt threatened and needed to shut him down. Interesting that you mentioned Mel Gibson. Have you ever seen Conspiracy Theory? I don't know. I don't, I don't think so. So Mel Gibson plays a conspiracy theorist with a like homemade newsletter that he makes and ships out or whatever? hands out mm-hmm. uh, and he gets too close to something and the CIA kidnaps him and tortures him Patrick Stewart's the bad guy and I think Julia Roberts is like this reporter that he's trying to get to understand all this shit's happening and she's like oh he's crazy because he's Mel Gibson interesting um, anyway that kind of reminded me oh they want me to, I got close to something they need to shut me down that reminded me of that what Binner's book did do, however, was encourage other people to come forward with their own UFO sightings and experiences with the so-called Men in Black. Up until this point, there have only been two sightings of the Men in Black. But into the 1960s, we start to see a change in the physical description of the Men in Black, as well as a change in behavior. The next sighting of the Men in Black comes from Toledo, Ohio in 1967. Robert Richardson was driving in his car on the back roads of the city at night when suddenly he hit something that immediately vanished. Something he would later believe to be a UFO. What What was that about? Robert Richardson? Uh-huh. And a Marvel superhero. I was going to say, it sounds like a superhero, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Also, it didn't disappear. He hit something and threw that somewhere to hide it. I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to tell people it was a UFO. Or... This is I Know What You Did Last Summer. Or he just hit an animal and it ran off. Or that. Or that. He got out of his car to see if something had gotten wedged in his grill or under his tire, but didn't find anything. He was alone in the dark. Good game. All he found was a small piece of lightweight metal. Bad movie. Oh, God. A few days later, Richardson... (laughs) Now, every time I read Richardson, I'm like, read Richards, obviously. Obviously. A few days later, Richardson said that two men in black suits, hats, and sunglasses 
pulled up to his house in a black 1953 Cadillac. And a slick mustache. I, <laughs> <laughs> I need you to look up what kind of car the Men in Black drove in the movie. Richardson said that it was nearly midnight when the two men knocked on his door and started to interrogate him. They also demanded that Richardson turn over the metal that he found. When Richardson told them that he sent the metal away for analysis, they threatened to harm his wife if he didn't retrieve the metal. Richardson agreed to retrieve the metal and never heard from them again. And never heard from them again. Uh, Ford Galaxy 500. Damn. Could have been a Cadillac. It didn't even have to be an old Cadillac because obviously they're going to upgrade their, you know, gear. Yeah. Should have been a Cadillac. Obviously, if the men in black exist, their objective is to encourage witnesses coming forward with stories of UFOs to not come forward. forward. (laughs) With stories of UFOs. Stories of UFOs. (laughs) Self-explanatory. Nick Redford wrote a book in 2012 called The Real Men in Black. In this book, he says people who have been visited by the men in black fall into two categories, witnesses and investigators. So if we do have something here, it's most likely an office or personnel within the official government infrastructure. At some point, these supposed men in black go from a shadowy government entity to downright creepy. On the night of September 11th, 1976, I just now remembered something from this podcast and I can't wait to get into it. Is it the lipstick? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the horrible faces that have haunted my dreams. <laughs> I went to the trading post the other mm-hmm. day and I thought about buying you a doll. I did fine. We're going to take it. This is a podcast within a podcast. This is where we talk about. This is great on audio. This is where we talk about that I found at the trading post. No. <laughs> oh my God, dude. I actually would love to go and find these. Jennifer found that and pointed it out to me. I remember the bigger cups. I used to have one. Apparently, Jack has the whole set. Yeah. I had that. Okay, if you're listening, 95? Four? When Batman Forever came out, McDonald's had these glass cups and mugs that you could buy, and they were each a character from uh, Batman Forever. And I found the Two Face mug for $1.95. And it's the best one to handle is this coin flipping. That's great. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway. I'm going to look up how much these are worth. Dr. Herbert Hopkins from Old Orchard Beach, Maine. Oh, we're back to the original podcast, by the way. He was at home studying a recent UFO incident that he had been following for a few weeks. He enjoyed researching them as a hobby. That night, Hopkins received a phone call from someone identifying himself as a representative of New Jersey's UFO organization. Hopkins would later learn that no such organization exists. Obviously. Imagine if it is aliens. <laughs> and they're like, call, because they have the alien voice. They're like, mm-hmm. call him. Okay, what do you, what do you, the only one sounds like that. <laughs> only one? Call mm-hmm. him. Okay, what, what do you want me to tell him? Dwayne? Like, Why is this alien's name Dwayne? He's like, call him. What do you want? What do you want me to tell him, Dwayne? Tell him you're from the New Jersey UFO organization. That's not. It's not inventive what? enough. First you know off, what? sure, yes. The name is too on the nose. <laughs> it hangs up. Well, he he laughed at me. There's no such thing. 
Anyway, I like this bit. At least, this bit I like. at least the other people who were part of something, at least the other people who had names for their uh, little groups were acronyms. Acronyms are like, I don't know, said something. They're like, okay, call them, tell them this is UFO group one. <laughs> yeah, real good. Real good. He's going to believe that. The man on the phone asked if he could come to Hopkins' home to discuss his research with him. For some reason, Hopkins had a bad feeling, probably because... A random person called and was like, hey, bro. The, the man on the phone said, let me come to your house. <laughs> sound like Dan Housen. Sound like Dan Housen. It did sound like Dan Housen. Oh, my God. If you don't, if you, if you there, like No one's going to know who Dan like Housen is. And you don't know who Dan Housen is, please look up Dan Housen. If you don't like wrestling and you don't know who Dan Housen is, please look up Dan yeah, Housen. I, I feel like he crosses like the line into like could be anything. It's just fun. It's just fun. Okay, Hopkins had a bad feeling, so he went to the window to look outside. Because, you know, it was nearing midnight. Uh, he witnessed the man outside already walking up the steps to his house. Even if the man was phoning from next door. He would never have been able to make it up the front steps in that short amount of time. A rightfully unnerved Hopkins noted the man was dressed in black from head to toe, except for a crisp white button-down shirt. Hopkins described the man as bald as an egg, completely hairless, and very pale. He also noticed that the only color on the man's face was ruby red lips. Upon closer inspection, Hopkins realized that the man didn't actually have any lips, just lipstick where his lips should be. His voice was very monotone, like a recording or a mechanical voice. What if they didn't quite get the concept of where lips were supposed to be and it was just, it was like, it was like clown lips. It's important to note that while we're all used to computerized voices by now, this is 1976. And, like, that's not normal for 1976. If somebody shows up in my house now and they sound like Siri, I'm going to be freaked out. I think this guy was just a heavy smoker. And he had the little the voice box. The cane thing. Yeah. <laughs> the cane, oh, yeah. You remember that? Yeah, 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 you remember that? Yeah, okay. I remember that. You know he was supposed to go green. Not as in, like, eco-friendly, but they were supposed to make I mean, cane green at some point for DX. Yeah. Whatever happened to blue cane? You remember that rumor? <laughs> I, yes, I actually Podcast remember, within a podcast. I this remember is, both of these things, and they're, like, <laughs> wrestling myths or something. Hold on. When I say work in progress, I mean, that was me and Tyler's first podcast about wrestling that only went one episode yeah we never did anything with that where we talk about wrestling Kane was supposed to go green at one point he was also supposed to go blue this has been work in progress back to so the story goes that's how you get through that (laughs) the two men discussed UFO sightings and some of Hopkins research Hopkins said that for the entirety of the meeting the man sat motionless like a ventriloquist dummy that's right up your alley. The man also wore gray suede gloves that stained red whenever he wiped his mouth because lipstick. The man asked Hopkins for a coin. Hopkins got a penny and went to hand it to the man. Instead, the man told Hopkins to stare at the coin. Again, we're going back to the Matrix, some red pill, blue pill stuff here. <laughs> there is no spoon. As Hopkins did, the penny slowly turned silver, then turned blue, then dissolved into midair. I don't, 
I can't even tell you how I would react to this. Dissolve into midair is the wrong sentence. Midair doesn't Yeah. Thin air. I have many problems with these people's meeting. Many, many problems. Mm-hmm. I don't even know where to start. I believe in aliens and men in black and all that. I, and But like everything this is that is being said <laughs> sounds so ridiculous. Yeah. Also, what's up with the whole like got a creepy phone call? Hmm, I'm going to check the window. That sounds like some, a movie script. It does sound like a movie script. Also, I've also never, I've been like, way. no. And I wouldn't go check the window because would. why would I give a flying crap I want to know if I have to go out the back door also why are you talking to these people so long I'd be like no get out <laughs> or, or no don't come in the stranger told Hopkins to destroy all of his research on UFOs and extraterrestrials he quickly quickly he quickly left the house rounded the corner and disappeared into a bright light subsequently the terrified Hopkins destroyed any research he had and with it, any evidence that the meeting had ever happened. They usually are. Let's prove a point right now. Oh, I've seen a UFO. If I go disappearing in the next five days, it's real. If I don't, it's not. Done. <laughs> I feel like I don't need to really have an experience. They're just, you know, they're listening in. If they're watching, they'll be like, hey, we gotta check on that guy. I absolutely have the FBI listening to me, so just so you know that. <laughs> oh, was it because of that charge? Look, man, <laughs> I was young and I needed money, okay? I was in college. I was in college. Now, it's hard to ignore the fact that none of these encounters have any proof attached to them. What this means is that the men in black are either very good at covering their tracks, or they're completely fictional. It's also interesting that every time there's a new sighting of the men in black, their appearance... Appearance? Appearance and behavior seem to build on the last sighting of them, but enhance in some way, almost like the world's longest game of telephone. In January 1997, a man named William Shear had reported seeing a UFO. Four days later, he was visited by two men in black suits. One stayed in the car, while the other man greeted Shear on his porch. He immediately started interrogating Shear about his experience. But what Shear took note of was that the man on the porch was not so interested with Shear's answers to his questions, but with gaining permission to enter his home. It almost seemed like he had to be invited in like some kind of vampire. Oh my god, you just blew the top off. The men in black are actually vampires. Aliens are actually vampires. It's all vampires. Vampire aliens. aliens. I wonder if aliens have to deal with the things we have to deal with. Do aliens have cryptoids and like monsters and and things, but like alien versions? You said cryptoid. I came up with a stupid conspiracy theory the other day, and I think I'm going to work into a game where I have three conspiracy theories and you have to pick the real one. It's important to note that Shear zoned in on the monotone voice and appearance of the men in black, characteristics that have mostly stayed consistent from the very beginning of men in black sightings. It might be a spot-on description of the men in black agents, or it could be that all of them sync up because they all had the same blueprint. Well, the sheer shock of that. <laughs> Play the closing theme song. This has been <laughs> so the story goes. In any case... An understandably intimidated Sheer denied the two men entered his home. As you do. As you should. It's what the other person should have done. I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> anyway. Did he ever get his penny back? Because, like, a penny saved is a penny hurt. You know? Aliens owe me a penny. 
Why does none of the other people talked about inviting this thing in? Mm. Just gonna throw it out there. You say this thing like it's the longest monster. At this point, it might as well be. It might as well be. I no. Let me not say that. There's more proof in things of the Loch Ness monster. The two men left angrily, promising to return. A few days later, the two men showed up at Shear's job and approached him. What it do? Here to talk about the alien? They asked. What it do? <laughs> what they asked? What they asked? They asked if they could enter his home. Now imagine that. <laughs> now imagine that. <laughs> imagine being at work and two guys show up and they're like, "Mr. Shear, can we come into your home?" <laughs> That's weird. I'd be confused. <laughs> this this is my job. Instead of, instead of meeting him in his work, why didn't you just go in his house? Why do they need permission? Yeah. Vampires. They're either vampires or it is government related and they're like, we can actually get sued if we just get to these fucking people's house. Like, Who are they? Who's he gonna sue? You could sue the government. Not if you can't prove that they're with the government. But they showed up at work, there's witnesses. Oh. Sloppy work, men in black. Sloppy work. <laughs> when Sheer refused, the two men left angrily and never returned. All powered beings. This much trouble. <laughs> He's like, no, you can't come. They're like, well, damn it. <laughs> we'll try again next time, I guess. However, since that day, Sheer believes his phones have been tapped. That could be some government stuff. Have they ever tried again? They never tried again? No, they never showed back up. Well, class, uh, lesson learned here. If you ever run into trouble with the men in black aliens, government, God knows what things, just be like... No. Nah. Apparently just renders them powerless. So far, the men in black, what? Oh, you breathed and I thought you were going to say something. I did have a thought, but it really wouldn't amount to anything, as per usual. It was just the whole, like, look at this thing I did with your penny. (laughs) You can't come in my house. You know? I know it's two separate things, but, like... (sighs) What if... The penny dissolved in his hand and just went, get out. I would have said, get out when I seen this man's face. His old Kevin Bacon Hollow Man face. I'd be like, no. Not only no, but walks, God no. This man walks up and you see a slit with like lipstick. Oh. <laughs> He's already in your house and you turn him around <laughs> and push him out the door. We have fun here. So far, the Men in Black have only appeared in the U.S. and the U.K., predominantly English-speaking countries with high information exchange. If these men are government agents, then it wouldn't make sense for them to show up in the U.K. However, that's not true. First of all, like the U.S. doesn't have operations in the U.K. Yeah, just keep poking holes in this. Poking holes in my own story. However, if they are an alien race, it doesn't make sense for them to only show up in English-speaking countries. If aliens are walking among us, why would they choose to stay in the two countries with the highest information exchange where it would be easiest to discover them? Either way, sightings of the Men in Black have been reported across the United States in the wake of UFO sightings for over 71 years. However, there's one more recent sighting I want to talk about specifically. In October 2008... The Men in Black may have been caught on Not camera. recent at all. It's more recent than 97. And this podcast has come from 2010. Whoa. In the, 
<laughs> I said more recent one, and in the grand scheme of things, in the history of time, 2008 is fairly close to 20. Unless I Google up a Men in Black thing recently, and someone's like 2020. 20. In 2008, the Men in Black may have been caught on camera for the very first time. Provided the 2008 security footage is real and untampered with, it could provide proof that the organization exists. The footage shows two men in black suits arriving in a Niagara Falls hotel and harassing the workers for nearly an hour before finally leaving. And if the security footage is to be believed, then the worker accounts only create more questions rather than provide answers. In the beginning of October 2008, the hotel manager and one of the security guards reported seeing a triangular UFO above the building. Two weeks later, now I'll note, two weeks is a long span for the men in black. They just slacking. They slacking. <laughs> two weeks later, on October 14th, two men in black suits entered the hotel looking for the manager, who was not on staff that day. The two men of identical appearance entered single file wearing identical black suits, hats, sunglasses, and trench coats. According to the hotel staff, the two men interrogated them for better part of an hour and got very unsettling. The bellboy and a female employee of the hotel were questioned about the whereabouts of the manager and the security guard, both of whom had the day off. It's <laughs> just, where's your manager? Probably at home. I don't know. Can I help you? <laughs> Did you see our crap? I mean, can't be a bald guy in a hat anymore these days, man. Damn. I'm black. I'm just trying to live my life. <laughs> Face opens up. There's <laughs> <laughs> a small guy in your head. The employees described the two men as having ruby red lips, fake looking skin, and no hair whatsoever. I got it. I got it. They're Terminators. Terminators. The Terminators are more human-like, though. Yeah, they're kind of, well, they're, they're old model Terminators. Oh, God. They also stated that the men spoke in deep mechanical voices. The two men identified themselves as members of the government. Why would they? An alien would say that. I work with the government. <laughs> Which government? Your, Your government. <laughs> They also referred to each other by numbers instead of names. After harassing the staff for better part of an hour, the two men left the hotel. However, there is no video of either men leaving the hotel. In fact, there's no security footage of the men anywhere in the hotel after interrogating the staff. All of this evidence begs a few questions. Yes. If they work for the government, they're not very good at keeping their existence a secret. No. Now, if we know anything... We know that UFO enthusiasts and conspiracy theorists... Theorists? Close enough. <laughs> uh, it's that, statistically, they're a gullible bunch that, above all else, want to believe. You know, like, like the poster. Could it be that the Men in Black are actually the government department that exists to make UFO enthusiasts seem untrustworthy? Kind of a disinformation campaign. If you make a perfectly sane person seem crazy, then anything they say that's slightly off or out of the normal will sound crazy. Now, the whole reason I want to talk about this is that because 
in November 2021, I almost just say 2021, like a peasant. Well, look at that. More recent year. The Pentagon seemingly <laughs> did an about face. The announcement of the formation of a group to investigate unidentified aerial phenomena in sensitive airspace. That is to say, government airspace. Air bases. The project will be overseen by the military as well as intelligence communities, CIA. The group's objective will be to, quote, detect, identify, and attribute objects, end quote, in restricted airspace. This comes after a report in June that failed to provide explanations for 143 sightings by military pilots over the last 20 years. Something they've already been doing. They just made it public because it's harder to hide things nowadays. That's my theory. I'd believe that. I'd believe that. I live in a world of information. I don't know how to close this. Do you believe in a men in black, Randall? Pose a question after all these episodes. Uh, I believe that I want to do a group cosplay of the men in black. I'm not shaving my head. The Hollywood men in black. I was was about to say something, but. You have to get a haircut. Hollywood? Well, none of us are black, though. Who's going to be Will Smith? Oh, we got Jack. Do, um, you, do you believe in the men in black? Two separate questions. Do you believe in the men in black? Uh-huh. Do you believe any of this stuff that happened in, in this thing? I believe that there is a part of the government whose job it is to maybe cover up stuff they don't want to get out. I don't know if I want to call that the men in black. I don't believe the men in black are aliens. I don't believe that they look like this. It's a little counterintuitive because the idea of the men in black is to blend in, right? Always been my problem. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't the only example of that. I can't think of it on the top of my head. Uh, But I do not understand when things are like, oh, they're secretive. They're trying to hide things, trying to make people forget. Yet, you have a very cliche look, act, everything. It's pretty obvious. So what are you hiding? Yeah. If you're aliens or the government, you're smarter than that, I think. Aliens or the government. I don't know about the government. I feel like if you're aliens, you're smarter than that. Traverse, like, galaxies to come here. And they'd be like, what do they look like? Bald, no lips. Especially, okay, here's my problem with it. Especially after years of it. I can understand in the beginning they're, they're not sure or something, you know. Yeah. But years. Decades. You they they'd be like okay we have to update this because obviously we're wrong. Maybe that's what the sunglasses are for to hide the giant eyes. Hey, you know what this is missing? We've learned our lesson. Sunglasses, not <laughs> not the lip problem, not anything else. I understand that we don't have lips, but we do have dope sunglasses. <laughs> They'll never know. Anyway, that's episode three. An hour 15, that'll probably cut down to about 30 minutes. Thank you for the uh, history lesson, Randall. That's the history of the men in black. It's very Um, good. Anyway, thanks for listening. Oh, 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 I I almost forgot. If you have something you want us to talk about, or you want to get in touch with us for whatever reason, questions, comments, answers, you can email us at At (laughs) email.com. You can email us at so the story goes cast at gmail.com or you can find us on Twitter at stsgcast on on Twitter. So, 
said that like that. But if you want to get in touch with us, we're trying to be easy to find, I guess. Please message us with all the hate. I guess that's how we're signing off. Thanks for listening. Give us uh, a like or something. Oh, yeah. Like, share, subscribe. Follow. Smash that subscribe button. Follow. Okay, bye.